Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. My name is Adam Salgett, and with me today is Leader of Curriculum Improvement and Development for Our Community Listens, Sarah Weisbart. Sarah, how are you today? Adam, I am doing well. And just in our pre-conversation, I was kind of reflecting on how much I enjoy talking about the content. And just even you listing off like what my job is with our community listens, I love talking about why this content matters and how it impacts people's lives. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to share with others. Well, I'm grateful that you're here on the podcast. One of our main outlets to you know reiterate the content for, for alumni and also an opportunity for new listeners or new people to our community listens who maybe haven't been through the course as of yet, a chance for them to learn a little bit about what the parts of the content are and hopefully get them interested in taking the class if they haven't done so. Yeah. Uh, today's topic is confrontation. And really, we're asking the question, should I confront? Before we really get there, though, let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the three moves. Go ahead, Sarah. Well, it's, it's really intriguing because I think about the amount of times that someone has come to me with a problem. And of course, my job is to listen. We already know that. Yet what they're trying to figure out is what do then they want to do about the problem or the situation. And that's where the three moves come in. They have, they have three choices. They can accept the situation. They can adjust the situation or they can choose to ask for change, which is what we call confrontation. And so I, I think about that flow chart that we mentioned last month and that was highlighted in our webinar of, well, if I'm upset about somebody's behavior, how do I flow through this flow chart? And what if I've landed on this, this option of, well, maybe I should confront. Well, if, if that's what I'm exploring, I kind of feel like what we're gonna talk about today is like, well, well now what? Like, if right. I'm considering that as an option, what does that look like? I would imagine some people may land in that space and be like, oh, well, let's just take a step back up this flow chart and do this again, because sometimes people really want to avoid confrontation. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. I actually have so many examples in my own life of like, well, I should probably confront, but oh my gosh, this will be the fourth time I've asked for this change and nothing has changed. Do I really want to go back at it again? Or man, the last time I asked for this change to happen, there was a major blow up. And I don't know if I have the emotional capacity to handle that. Or maybe I just decide it's not important enough to me and I shift back up that flow chart and, and move toward acceptance or changing the situation. There's so many things, so many things, Adam, that go into gosh, do I even want to go down this? Because I think as you're alluding to, confrontation doesn't always seem to go well. And I'm using air quotes and go well. Right, right. I think people, there's this general feel that you hear the word confrontation and there's a lot of uneasiness. There isn't necessarily the other side of the bridge 
where you've crossed the confrontation river and you're now there together and you're continuing along the journey and everybody's happy and ready to go. It was maybe treacherous getting across, but you did make your way. I think a lot of people just want to avoid it. Um, and I know we don't want to sit in this space very long because really we want to, we want to help people who have chosen that they need to confront. We want to help them talk about how to get through that. So let's, yeah. let's get into that. Let's, let's accept the fact that we're, we're going to need to confront as uncomfortable as it may make us or as uncomfortable as we, you know, we feel it may make the other person. Let's move into what we can do to confront someone. Well, I, th I think what we're really asking people to do is then be willing to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. And I, I use this phrase a lot when I coach with people and I facilitate content is if, if I actually want change to happen, I got to do some work with myself first and wading into that river of, well, I need to have a conversation with someone because maybe a relationship isn't going well, or maybe there's a conflict in a work environment. Maybe there was a behavior that um, compromises my values and my own needs that I'm choosing to confront. I have to do the hard work first of really examining what is my intent? What is my motive of heading into this conversation that we tend to term as confrontation? I heard you mentioned motive. And that was kind of one of the questions that we had talked about was what is the motivation of this confrontation? And what is the need? What's the benefit of taking the time to figure that out ahead of time before you step into the room? before you step into our, you know, our uh, analogy here of stepping into the river or the bridge and, and talking with someone about where you need to go? Yeah. Um, well, for me, um, I'll just speak personally. And, and I hope and I would anticipate people can make a personal correlation to my sharing is when I stop, right? We got we to gotta pause first, right? So generally speaking, something has happened and we're bugged, we're upset, we're bothered, and now we're choosing to start a conversation and confront. I have to pause and reflect on why am I feeling what I'm feeling, right? I'm having some sort of emotion, good, bad, or otherwise. I'm having some sort of feeling about someone's behavior and it's having an impact on me. Mm-hmm. I have to consider those in relation then to my needs. So as I walk into that confrontation, let, let's say my motive at, at the base of every conversation that is a, a ask for change, right? We say confrontation, we're really asking for change. We're starting a conversation at the base of it. I actually have a need. Mm -hmm. I need somebody's behavior to change. We generally look at confrontation like it's person A's problem. Right. I'm going to tell person A what their problem is, and they're going to just have this epiphany and miraculously change. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. If I lead with the motive of you're wrong and I'm right, and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong and I'm right, I don't anticipate that we're going to get across that river. Yeah, and I can, I can say this, that 
if you're not willing to go into the conversation and potentially find out that you need to make a change, then you're really running the risk of never getting any kind of change. Absolutely. And so that's where, like, when I think about motive and need, like, okay, so I need for this person to change. How do I then want to approach it? Am I going into this conversation because I've got a point to prove because I want to be right? Um, because my value has been compromised and I want to point that out to someone. Um, do I want to, um, step into some sort of, um, ego space and have it be about me? Or do I want to shift into um, a humble posture and try to understand where the other is coming from? Even if we continue to disagree, mm -hmm. that's, that's a whole other conversation about acceptance and agreement. Yep. Um, what, what is my intent in going into this conversation? And I mean, I, I'm keeping going back to being the right and the wrong because I know for me and my tendencies, that's generally when my logic and emotion is out of balance and I'm emotional, I can out data, I can outprove just about anyone and be quote unquote right. Is that my motive or is the relationship my motive? And there's a, a diagram that one of our facilitators, Sharon Clement, she draws when she's teaching class and it has two people nice little stick figures. <laughs> and, um, and, and then there's this box that she labels as the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if our, if, if we're both focusing on the problem, where does the problem sit? Does it sit between us or does it sit alongside of us together where then we can address the problem together? And for me, that has to be my motive. I need your help in addressing this problem and if I go in with that intention, that humility, that perspective of, I need your help addressing this problem, my motive is pure. If I go in with the intent of, I'm going to prove you wrong because I know I'm right, the problem's never going to go away. So it sounds like, you know, keeping in mind what your intention and what your motive truly is in the end will help you through a lot of different things and something I'm going to bring up, but it'll help you get to a better space, um, you know, and hopefully a resolution. Oh yes. And everyone's motives are going to be different. Okay. So like I I'm right and wrong because of where I come from in my perspectives and tendencies, but some people have a motive to control. Some people have a motive to possess the situation or create stability um, some people have a motive um, for like self-recognition that they need the situation to be about them. I am listing, listing all kinds of things that um, we could probably say are negative right. um, or ego-based motives. Mm -hmm. But if we go back to the onion slide and remember, like we're all designed to try to get our own needs met. So that's why you have to do the hard work first of that self-reflection of, all right, where am I at? What's going on with me? What need is being triggered? How do I really want to approach this situation so that the relationship stays intact and the problem is addressed? I want to talk a little bit about um, nonverbals. Because if you sit back, you take that moment, you hit the brakes and you 
assess what's going on, why it's going on, what are your motives, and you're feeling good about it. But maybe you walk into the room or you walk into the space to confront the person and your nonverbals are saying something else. Your nonverbals um, maybe are giving off the idea of like that, that you are right and that you're, that's how you're coming across. So even if your question and your motive has been defined in your head, um, I think nonverbals play a pretty major part in this. And so I, I, I'd like you to touch on that. I know that could be its own, you know, 30 minute subject, but I think it comes into play quite a bit with uh, confrontation. Oh, certainly. And really what you're talking about is um, alignment. And we use that phrase every time we talk about nonverbals. We're sending a message with our tone of voice, our facial expressions, our gestures, and our body posture. And I really hope our listeners can hear even the difference in my tone of voice when I talk about being right or wrong or coming from that humble posture. Mm-hmm just that tone of voice shift, I'm aligning with that humble posture when my voice pace slows down, when it becomes softer, maybe I use gentler words. My nonverbals then are aligning with my intent and are aligning with my message. If I try to fake that, then I come across disingenuous, um, and people are smart. People can read right. nonverbal. So much of our message is nonverbal. And so then my ability to develop trust and rapport in that relationship is blown if my nonverbals are not aligned with my message and my intent and my motive. Again, it's always my sarcastic message of hope. Like it's hard work. Because to be, if I'm going to come from a humble posture and be truly aligned with my nonverbals, I'm taking a risk. I'm coming. Let's say you and I are having a problem. If I'm coming to you with that heart and that intent, I'm taking a risk, a very vulnerable risk and saying, Adam, we have a problem and I need your help. Most people don't even ask for help to freaking change their tire let alone (laughs) we have a problem in our relationship or our leadership or our organization or what have you. And I need your help. Right. That's hard. It is hard. And I think if the other person, if you're coming to them with an open mind and you're coming to them with open nonverbals, hopefully they will respond back with some good openness as well. Well, and we had touched on this in our earlier conversation about, okay, so like, what if I come in like loaded up, like I am going to tell you you're wrong and give you the 15 pieces of data about why I'm right. And my nonverbals are completely aligned with that message. How successful is our conversation going to be? Well, it's very combative. Mm -hmm. Most people when they, you know, are put in that type of situation we touched on this in our pre-talk about the four coping responses so fight flight freeze or fold and if you want to touch on that a little bit deeper i think it would be important because when you come in very combative that's what you're typically going to find from people one of these four coping responses absolutely i'm I'm going to get what i gave right completely so I keep on going back to this word motive, right? Like if my intent is to solve this problem, because again, I need for this problem to go away, Mm -hmm. 
how I approach is really crucial because if I come in with ill intent trying to serve an ego-based need and I come in combative, the problem's not going to be solved because I'm going to push someone into coping, right? So the fight and the flight, those are standard. Everyone's aware of that. Like people are either going to book it out of the room or they're going to come back at us in a combative um, posture and means. Um, the freeze is kind of just like that shocked look that I think people sometimes have um, when they've been confronted in a negative way where they just don't even, even know what to do. Right. And the folding is just almost giving in. Right. And I think sometimes we feel like maybe we've won or we've gotten what we need when we can get somebody to fold. But even the way I say that I get someone to fold, that feels awful. Right? I would rather have someone come along with me and help me solve the problem together. Because again, it's about the relationship. And I can go into things like people thriving. I don't want someone to have to cope. I don't want like cope, deal with me and my behavior. No, I want to thrive and grow together. Right. And I think oftentimes we use those kinds of words like thrive and grow in a business setting, but it definitely applies to personal settings, marriages, relationships, friendships, uh, even acquaintances that you need to, you know, talk things through to thrive and grow together in no spaces is just as important as we think about thriving and growing as a business and continuing to, you know, have a stable income or continue to have a stable business. Certainly everything we talk about can be applied in any type of relationship. And very often people come out of our class thinking first about their personal relationships with their family members, with their partners, um, maybe with their children or their parents or their siblings. And they all of a sudden realize at the heart of who they are, that there's that close personal relationship that they really haven't been maybe having the best motive with. Right. But these are also applicable in business settings, nonprofit, organizational leadership. This, this is the business of doing life in community and with people. Absolutely. There is another element that I wanted to talk about when it comes down to the message that you may walk into the room with. And as um, you've informed me in the next couple months, we're going to get into the FBI statement, the feeling behavior impact statement in great detail. But one element that I think stuck with me after I finished class was if you're forming a statement along those lines because you're looking for some type of change, thinking about the impact and the person that you're approaching and how you can try to find something that's going to resonate with them because they will hear it differently than if it's just something that maybe resonates with you and therefore they don't have as deep of a connection to it. Could you touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you mentioned the series that we're currently in around confrontation. We're going to come up in the next months with October, November, and December, and we're going to pick apart the feeling, the behavior, and the impact of a complete confrontation message. And then after the new year, we're actually going to create workshop opportunities for people to craft confrontation messages and practice them with others that have gone through the series. 
People can backtrack and listen to our webinar recordings if they missed some of our past sessions and then jump in and continue with the series because it, it's a total package, Adam. And so if we, we look at the three components of that message, feeling, mm -hmm. behavior, and impact, some people are going to really resonate with feelings more. Right. And that, that genders that empathy. Some people want to know, well, what's the thing that I did? Like, will you just tell me the problem? And that's, that's the behavior. Like, okay, just tell me what you want me to do differently. I just need to know that. And generally speaking, that's how you would lead with maybe my tendencies. If we go back to our DISC sessions, um, my C tendency wants the information, the data. Mm -hmm. You're also now talking about impact. Like, why does it matter? And so that's where pausing and reflecting on the individual you want to have this conversation with can really matter because you can pause and reflect and think, well, I know why this situation matters to me. How would it matter to them? How can I get in their shoes? How can I maybe see it from their perspective? How can I frame my message in such a way that they're going to realize that their beha behavior is having an impact and possibly impacting their own needs and values because of how I framed that message. The thing that I really like that that's kind of behind the scenes and is going to tie back to that point of it's work. You got to do the work is if I can pause and do that reflecting and thinking about that individual, I have to then consider their needs and their values when I go into confront. And I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can back this up with fact, but I, I have to imagine that if I'm going to choose to do that, I'm still always choosing the relationship. So Sarah, you've decided to confront. We asked the question earlier, should I confront? And, it is, and the decision has been made. Let's go through the bullets again as kind of a small recap and talk about what happens once we do make that confrontation. So first and foremost, check your motive, check your motive, um, craft that confrontation message, being very intentional, taking into consideration the individual you're starting this conversation with. Consider then the integrity of your message aligned with your nonverbals and create the opportunity create the opportunity. You're starting a conversation. So think about, okay, am I going to do this after dinner? Am I going to do this before a big board meeting? <laughs> am I, am I going to ask this person to coffee? Uh, are we going to go for a walk? Am I going to get on the other side of my desk when I ask them to come into my office? Am I doing this over the phone call? Am I doing this over a, a virtual meeting where I can see their face? Um, so consider the environment that you're going to create and craft for this conversation. So checking the motive, crafting the message, aligning the nonverbals, creating the environment, and then you're going to start the conversation. Right. The really counterintuitive next step is then shifting into a listening mode, a listening posture, utilizing all of the five reflective listening skills. And I have to tell you, it's really hard. I was going to uh, say, you said counterintuitive. I think many times we expect people, we expect to say something 
and then that's it. We're done. We've made our point and let, you know, accept it for you. Move on. It's not an area of brainstorming. It's not an area of listening and, and, and that can happen the, even to the best of us who are looking to make good steps forward. Oh my goodness, Adam. I could tell you story upon story. I have about 10 from this weekend of where uh, I confronted and I wanted to be heard. I want to be heard. I, I, I'm going to say it again. Like if I'm going into a confrontation situation, I have a need and I want to be heard. Right. And like the other half of my brain is going, so that then means you have to listen. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to because I want to be heard. It's so difficult. But when we, when we start, we just have to remember we're starting a conversation. We're going to learn something new. The other person is going to have a perspective. There could be an aha moment. Maybe as you mentioned earlier, there's something that we've done that we're not even aware of that's triggered the other person's behavior that we're now having the conversation about. There's so much to this. It's not just, oh, I'm going to deliver this FBI statement and people are going to be miraculously changed. Sometimes it happens. I, I get, sure. I mentioned Sharon Clement earlier. She and I have a beautiful confrontation story where I approached her and gave her some feedback. And she said, well, I did this because you did this. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I won't do that again. Less than 30 seconds. I, it probably takes me more time to tell you than st the story than it actually <laughs> took for it to happen. But that isn't always the case. And so we have to shift in into that space of, well, now I'm going to listen. Right. Because I want to know what's happening. And I also want to demonstrate the behavior that I'm hoping the other person is going to have for me. And they're going to listen to me. That's one of the biggest things that I was just thinking about is putting yourself in a space and, you know, uh, being the example that you hope they can reflect back to you. So if you're listening to them and you're trying to assess what they're telling you, reflectively responding, hopefully they are seeing that and then doing the same. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And I think, <laughs> I know in a moment you're going to take, ask me a question about my key takeaways. <laughs> and that is true. <laughs> the more... This might not be my key takeaway. I think we just did a great summary, but I'm sitting here with my hand in, or my head in my hand really reflecting. And I find that the more that I live in the skills, right? Like we can, we can teach people. I can, we can teach feeling behavior impact. I can teach you five reflective listening skills. I can teach you nonverbal. I can teach you about creating an environment. But if you really want to grow in doing the skill, there's those ongoing moments of the hard work and the reflection on the personal growth side and examining, well, what is my need? What is my motive? What am I going for here? What's going on with this other person? And I am finding personally still, and I hope always, that the more that I use these skills, the more you create this opportunity for for us to share with our listeners, the more I'm learning about me and the work I need to do in order to then live the skills, have them be part of who I am because I lead how I am. Mm -hmm. And at my heart of hearts, I want to be a good leader in my family, in my organization, in my community. And that requires work on my part. And who do I want to be? Because I lead how I am. 
Sarah, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about confrontation and what happens when you decide you should confront. As always, we like to give our listeners a couple key takeaways. I'm going to jump in with one quick, simple key takeaway that I always tend to remind myself and try to remind my wife who does not like confrontation, quote unquote, is confrontation does not have to be bad. That's one of the quick things to remember. It does not have to be bad. It's a conversation and together you can figure it out. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Well, I'll piggyback right off of that, Adam. Confrontation is just a conversation starter. And I, I think we can take that um, that pressure out of it, that feeling of bad, when we think, I just need to have a conversation with someone. And nothing will change unless we start to ask for change. Those would be my, my two key takeaways. Other than a not even a shameless plug, an outright plug to join our webinar series. If you have not subscribed to our newsletter yet, go to our website at ourcommunitylistens.org and join our newsletter. You're going to see links there to not only this webinar series that's happening, but other sessions that are available. We have short informational videos. We have longer informational videos on our YouTube channel. We have so many resources and opportunities to either kind of self-teach, self-work in the skills, and engage with other people that are doing the hard work and growing together. Um, so I cannot encourage people enough. Go to the website, subscribe to the newsletter, click a link, join a session, come continue the conversation with us. It is pretty darn exciting to see just how much wonderful content is being produced by the team at Our Community Listens because um, I'm a content guy. So all the different ways that you have the opportunity to soak up this information, whether it be through a YouTube video, through this podcast, through the newsletter, through the blogs, any which way and the webinars now is a new added on feature we are obviously are in a uh, in a state of more online activity and zoom calls and google meets and, and everything else so this is another great opportunity to uh, soak up some information so sarah thank you for mentioning and everyone ourcommunitylistens.org if you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.